Black Women 2020 is a personal project that I launched last summer. Um, it's centered on Black women, not politics. I know it sounds like a political slogan, um, but it's centered on Black women. And it, it was just really fortuitous with the primary season coming and South Carolina being early state that we used Black Women 2020 just to remind people that like our experiences um, matter. Um, no matter whose celebrity comes in the state, like Black women deserve to be um, heard and our voices should be centered. And so um, since last summer, we've done, um, I think now 18 roundtable discussions around the state of South Carolina in some very rural counties, in some of the larger counties, um, in beauty shops, in restaurants that are owned by Black women, in homes. <laughs> we've been on churches. We've been um, all over talking to Black women about what it means to feel safe, seen, and supported, and what the barriers to having that experience are. Hi, I'm Beth Ruffin, and I'm committed to making our world more inclusive through consulting, coaching, and speaking. I believe everyone deserves a seat at the table, so I started this podcast to highlight the underrepresented, the marginalized, the diminished, the underappreciated. I wanted to create a platform to elevate their voices. So come join me, have a seat at the table, and let's chat. I am so excited to tell you about my first guest, Kayla Mallet. Kayla and I have known each other for about a year, and I met her through the work that she's doing with Black Women 2020. You're going to hear about that work in the next few minutes. You're going to hear her passion for making sure that Black women feel safe, seen, and supported. And I am honored to have her as my first guest. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Kayla Mallet is a Black woman organizer and mom. In the summer of 2019, she launched Black Women 2020 a project designed to explore what it means for Black women, especially in the state of South Carolina, to feel safe, seen, and supported. Since its inception, the project has hosted over 17 discussions with Black women, including events with 2020 Democratic primary candidates. A native of Manning, South Carolina, Kayla's values are rooted deeply in the ideals of community and collectivism. Kayla believes that when Black women win, everyone wins. Hey, Kayla, welcome to the table. How are you today? Hi, friend. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. How are you feeling? Awesome. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier uh, before we started recording about this time that we're in and how it's really making us, you know, reflect and rotate <laughs> and reimagine. Right. And so um, that part has been pretty fun. How about for you? Yeah, no, I think, you know, we are we are seeing in this moment, I think that a little bit of anything is possible. <laughs> um, just, you know, if you look at how quickly the government has been able to make decisions um, in ways that we were told previously things that couldn't happen are happening. And I think what we're realizing is a lot of the boundaries and stuff that are placed in our minds and our imaginations weren't placed there by us, but we've adopted them by other people. And so this time, although daunting and, you know, a little, a lot uncertain, actually, um, 
I think it's a call for us to look inward and then determine what we want to pour outward and how much we want to pour outward. And I know it's hard for people sometimes to be with themselves because we've been so conditioned to going and going and going. Um, but it feels good, I think, a little bit to just kind of slow down. And I think we've been pushing in this direction for a while. And um, I hate that it had to be this way. But if there's a little bit of a bright spot, I think it's that um, we're practicing a little introspection. I think, and realizing, and we're moving toward like this essentialism, like what's actually necessary and what's actually like the pageantry of productivity, right? Like I'm busy because I'm supposed to be busy and people like the idea of me being busy versus what I have to offer adds value and is actually needed and will um, help help contribute to the greater good. So it's, you know, it's a moment for me to reflect too on what I have to offer or what I have been offering and what that'll look like, you know, moving forward. So yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little terrified like everybody else, but I also have faith and um, am determined to live each day at a time and, and take in each moment and take all that I can from it. Um, hold as much joy as possible. I love that. Hold as much joy as possible. Uh, so that kind of leads me to our topic for tonight, right? Which is about this table that we're always talking about, right? We're trying to get a seat at the table. We're trying to use our voice at the table, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I want to ask you, how do you define the table? What does that mean for you and the work that you do with Black Women 2020? Yeah, so, you know... Um... In the work that I, Black Women 2020 is a project that is designed to help support the elevation and amplification of the voices of Black women, specifically Black women in South Carolina. And what we have been exploring is how we can do that in online spaces and in offline spaces, right? Um, so in my mind, the table a lot of times looks like that, looks like the spaces that we are invited into, the spaces that we elect to go into, um, but also like the opportunities that present themselves and how much of, um, how much of, um, I'm trying to think of how to, and and I guess even the dynamics between different groups that that give us this, um, it's not always welcoming, but give us the opportunity to, I guess it's participation in some ways, like in, in showing up, right? It's not always like a space. It's not always a project. Mm-hmm. It's not always an organization, but it's in, in a lot of ways, it's participation um, and access. And I think what we've seen a lot of times is there had invisibility, right? So there hasn't always been like this um, and there still isn't um, black women don't, always feel safe, seen, and supported. And a lot of times, actually, we don't feel safe, seen, and supported in a lot of the spaces that we navigate. And so to me, the table itself is like, who who gets to be visible? Whose voices get to be heard? Who gets to make decisions? Um, and I think in my conversations with Black women across the state of South Carolina, there's a real desire um, that even if you're not going to give me space at your table, don't do things to create more barriers for me creating my own table. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I guess that's kind of how I see the table. I love that. You know, you talked about access and another word that came to me as well was consideration, mm-hmm. right? There are a lot of decisions that are made about black women and there are no black women in the room, 
when these decisions are being made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing is sometimes black women are in the room and they are part of the decision making and they are the reason the project was a success. And when the story is told, you don't hear about it. Right. The people who people who are made to. Um, you're made to believe have have done the thing aren't they don't look like me and you they don't they're not black women and so what it does is it creates this public perception that the people who are actual decision makers and the people who get things done and the people who are worth being in those spaces are those people and so for women like me and my contemporaries and 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 other folks who who want to feel like there's room for us or there's opportunity when the narrative that comes out is always you know them and not us, it makes it hard for us to to navigate those um, spaces. So yeah, it's a it's a twofold problem, right? There's a multiple multiple multifold problem. Yeah, it's that we one aren't in those spaces, aren't given access, and when we're in there, sometimes our voices aren't being heard, or you know we're being our opinions are being minimized. We're facing microaggressions, or you know we're in there and we're doing the work, um, and people know we do the work, but then when the narrative comes out, it excludes us and, and, and we're somehow left out of um, how how everything went down. And so, yeah, I think there's a, a lot of, I don't know, a, a lot of discrepancy sometimes in mm -hmm. how the story is told and what the reality is. And, and for those people who are listening who may not understand microaggressions, can you just explain some of that and some of the ways you've heard that Black women have experienced microaggressions? Yes. So, you know, um, it's a lot of different things, right? And a lot of times microaggressions look like um, actions or, or um are vocalizations that aren't ex don't seem explicitly rooted in racism and biases. However, if you think about it, um, you know, and, and we see things like people will say like, oh, you know, um, someone said something somewhat condescending. It was, you know, maybe they said something about my hair because my hair is natural and I'm the only black woman in the, the office. And they said, you know, I, I find it interesting that you wear your hair like that, right? <laughs> I think mm -hmm. it's interesting that you wear your hair like that. Or, you know, um, can you afford, to, you know, you're in a group meeting, and, you know, I've heard women say, I've been in group meetings with other people, right? And I get, I'm talking about things I do with my kids as a single mom, and someone will ask, can you afford that? Right. <laughs> you know, um, so right. it's things where they're not like explicitly, um, quote, being racist or calling you out of your name or any of those things, but um it's a visceral feeling and you know, you know, when it's happened and sometimes mm -hmm. because it, it, it is a microaggression, it's hard to put a name on. Right. Um, but it happens all the time and it affects our well-being and our, our ability to show up as our full selves, which, you know, we deserve just like everybody else. I love that. That's especially when you talk about the table, right? You talk about, hey, I want to be able to show up as my full self to be seen, heard and valued for the uniqueness that I have. Right. As well as what I have to say. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah, those barriers that you've talked about, uh, neglect and microaggressions and some systemic racism, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? those things. 
I know that as you've gone around the state of South Carolina, you've talked with black women explicitly about some of the barriers that they've had in, you know, getting to the table or using their voices. Um, How do you help women overcome those barriers that they faced? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I think um, that, that we talk about is there's been so much expectation on us for so long, like this expectation that we're always giving and always pouring out that we have to show up a certain way that we have to look a certain way. Sometimes it feels like spaces aren't designed for us. um, Yet people want to take our labor. (laughs) They want to take our ideas. And so for black women, 2020, um, Although we want to explore what it means for women to feel safe, seen, and supported, the first thing we wanted to do was to let them know it's okay to breathe, right? To pause and to breathe. I think it's a little like what everyone's feeling right now with the pandemic, right? Like you have to sit still for a moment. And we haven't had the privilege and luxury sometimes to do that, to be with ourselves, to see ourselves, right? In a world where we're fighting to get everyone else to see us. And so the first thing we do is we invite people into spaces and we tell them very clearly, hey, you're in this space. There is no expectation of you to play, to pretend, to pay, to perform, to produce, right? Um, none of those things. Like you, you get to come and be in this space, one, because you get to just be, you're deserving just as you are. Two, you get to share and give as much as you want to. So if you want to share, it's it's an, it's an offering, right? And it seems so small, <laughs> but but again, we're often told like you have to give, give, give. Um, people don't always take us into consideration. So like we offer them space to share, but you get to share as much as you want to. And we encourage the women in the group not to try to fix each other, right? Not to try to expand on everybody's opinions or their their situations or to teach them how they should be. But like, really, you get to breathe and you get to say like, hey, this is my experience. This is what I think. And we we get to let it land, right? Because the other thing is there's this, this thing where we feel like we have to fix it. So somebody says they have you know, they're, they're going through something and we want to just jump in right away instead of saying like, let's be with that for a moment. And I think when you start to give black women space where they can breathe and you tell them it's okay to like take time to listen to their hearts and allow their thoughts and emotions to catch up with their choices. Um, and then to give themselves grace when those choices don't align with who they want to show up as and then choose again. I think it's such a, like, it's weird to talk about because it feels like such a, like, it's not nuanced, right? (laughs) It feels so simple, but then we get in rooms and women cry because no one has ever asked them like, hey, black women deserve what, right? Or if you, you know, what would you dare to dream if you knew you were fully supported? Right. And they start sharing these dreams and these ideas that they hadn't told people before, because even imagining having support sometimes feels like a distant like concept. And so, you know, I I don't know how much it helps people, but I do think what we do is kind of provide this perspective, almost like a starting place for some folks to say, like, hey, 
you get to pause and think about what you deserve, right? You get to all that brilliance that's locked up in you. It's never going to come out if you don't allow yourself time to sit with yourself and to honor yourself. And I think that paired with the fact that we use the language that Black women deserve to feel safe, seen, and supported. I mean, and that's bare minimum. Like we deserve that bare minimum. But women come back and say, hey, I went to talk to my husband about why I need to feel safe, seen, and supported. When mm-hmm. I'm on the job and you know people are working my nerves, I'm like, wait a minute. Is it because I don't feel safe? Is it because I don't feel seen? Or is it because I don't feel supported? And so we're starting to like have these conversations with women and to talk about what we deserve to access and how we we deserve to hold joy and to to reclaim so much of the joy that's been stolen from us. And it sounds like you're really giving black women a permission to just be, to just exist Mm -hmm. because so often we as black women feel like we have to be, you know, this role for this person, that role for that person, you know, we're moms, we're Mm -hmm. wives, we're working, we're this, we're that. And a lot of times we don't just sit in who Mm -hmm. we are. Like you said, give ourselves Mm -hmm. grace and just exist. And just exist. And you know, Beth, I would say that it's not even giving Black women permission to just be. It's creating space for them to give themselves permission. Because the the notion that I have to give you permission in a in a world where we deserve bodily autonomy and we deserve free will, the notion that I have to give you permission to do something like that is rooted in white supremacy, right? But when I say I just want to create the space, maybe you won't give yourself permission, but I want you to know that you deserve to. I want you to know that the space is here. I want you to know that I'll hold it for you. And I want you to know that I see you. So whether it's today or 10 years from now, I just want to plant the seed that lets you know when you're ready, you can give yourself permission to show up as your full self. And in the meanwhile, we are working to build um, a collective of women who want to support you in that, right? Like who want to be with you in choosing how you're going to show up and, and showing up as your full self and pouring out however, you know, feels right to you. I think that's something big because I can give you permission in our space, but you got to go back home. Right. So like you got to know that the permission has to come from, you have to give yourself that permission to have your voice heard. I'm so glad you said that because that is the whole reason why I, I have changed my language and thank you for, for clarifying that, right? We're not giving permission to anyone. You're just creating the space for that mm-hmm. to happen. But I changed my verbiage because I used to say, I, wanted, I want to give voice mm-hmm. to the underrepresented. Mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. accurate because everybody has a voice, mm-hmm. right? But instead, I feel I have a responsibility to elevate those Mm -hmm. voices, Mm -hmm. right? To make space for those voices, to make room for those voices, to talk to other people and say, hey, you need to listen to Mm -hmm. these voices, right? So I I love that you talked about that because it it is different, right? Um, We are fully autonomous. And so let's talk about that voice part, Mm -hmm. right? How do you help elevate the voices of black women? So I want to, first, I want to say that, you know, absolutely, that's what you do. And that's who you are. And I see you and I appreciate you for doing that. I was um, 
at an event years ago, and I believe her name is Dr. Irma Thurmond. I may have forgotten, but one of the questions she posed to the audience was, how will you wield your power, right? Like each of us has a certain amount of power um, or has power, but you know, you get to wield it in different ways. And I've seen you walk into spaces and speak up on in a way that, you know, is intentional <laughs> and effective and necessary. And then also to be very, very intentional about doing the same for like other black women, right? Like I've seen you do that. And so like, I appreciate you for that because I also know like um, those spaces don't always feel good to us. <laughs> they don't always feel welcoming, right? Yeah. Um, but you do it and you do it consistently and I think because of how you show up, like the ripple effect of that is going to um, have resonance for years to come. Like it, it's, it's going to be amazing. So like, thank you for who you are because you're absolutely right. And I'm glad you don't shy away for, from speaking to that, even though you were speaking to the fact that you changed your language. I'm glad you don't shy away from speaking to what you do, because I think sometimes we've been conditioned to like under the guise of humility to hide ourselves. <laughs> it really wasn't to tell us to hide ourselves but there's other women and girls who need to hear how you hold space for black women and I think when I hear you speak and when I see you move that's what I see you do so I'm glad you speak to that and I'm glad you own that and I think we've had conversations and we both know that not everyone feels comfortable doing that I don't always feel comfortable um doing that but you know when you talk about helping to elevate those voices when I started the project Black Women 2020, um, well, right before it started, <laughs> the Post and Courier um, released an article of like the top 20 Democrats to watch in South Carolina, right? It was like mm -hmm. two Black women on the list. Now help mm -hmm. me understand with what we know about the Democratic Party and how Black women move <laughs> the vote in the Democratic yeah. Party, how you have this entire list and there are two black women. And, you know, I've worked in politics, but I wasn't necessarily like super involved there for um, a minute. But when I when I saw that list, it kind of compelled me to write about it. And so I've made my first medium post ever and I called it out. And then I listed all these black women who I knew were working in politics and I knew who were doing amazing things for democratic causes. Um, and people started inboxing me, right? <laughs> People on the list mm -hmm. and off the list, like, thank you for that. Cause I operate in spaces where they don't see me. Right. Thank you for that. Cause we net, we wow. get left out all of the time. Thank you. Because when I look at that list, I don't see the possibility of me being, you know, like on that list right. because everybody on the list looks different than me. Um, and so that happened. Um, and then another thing happened that was like, I don't think I'll ever in my life forget this, um, um, Amelia Mackey, who chairs the Richland Two School Board, had come under attack for you know just my my opinion is it was rooted in a lot of racism. Um, but I watched her good friend Senator Mia McLeod come into the room as people were like lodging attacks at her at a school board meeting. Um, Mia at the time was like she was on crutches. She, she probably should have sat down. My daughter went and offered her her seat, and she said, "No, I'm going to stand." And what I noticed is where she stood was directly across the room from Amelia, right? Like, so you have people like lodging mm. these attacks at her, like saying all kinds of stuff, like all these racist in, in your windows, right? 
Um, and Mia just stood there, right, the whole time and looked dead at her, like just just looked at her, like stayed in stayed in her vision, like her her line of vision, right. So she could every time she looked up, she could see her friend standing right there, right, a black woman who supported her. And <clears throat> as I watched it, like it it was clear to me, like that's not only how I want to show up for black women, but that's how black women have overwhelmingly shown up for me, right, like. The times that I've felt the most safe, seen and supported, it's been with black women. Like, and so I started to think about like what could we do to help like create support, but for women who want to be heard, how do we get to say, like, I'm standing right here in your line of vision, sis? I see you, right? And so um we started out a little early with like publishing a few pieces from black women who'd never published pieces before on medium. Right. So we had, um, Tanisha, um, queen, it shall be hall. And she has this game that she is working diligently to get off the ground It's helm in the game. It's an amazing experience. Um, just needs support. Right. And so she wrote about that, like wrote about feeling the fear and just doing it anyway. Um, we wrote about, um, or we published, uh, Christina Smith Galloway's piece. She wrote about leaning into the wisdom of previous generations of Black women, right? And lessons from visiting her grandmother in in, in rural South Carolina, down in the countryside. Um, and then Madra Brown, who talked about reproductive justice and reproductive health for Black women and trusting Black women as it comes to their bodies. And so we started this thing where it was like, you know, we don't have to always argue for space. Like, you know, why does it have to be a table, right? Like, <laughs> maybe we create more mm -hmm. tables. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? If we're not getting the space in these mainstream media outlets in South Carolina, for whatever reason, I'm not trying to cast stones at anybody. But if you want to, like, have a piece online that you think will resonate with people and change lives, can we make that happen? And then can we share it and get other people to see it and support you and share you and affirm your experience? I think we can. And so um, that's what we've been doing. Like we, we published those pieces and then we started the round table tour. Our goal is to start a cohort of women across the state of South Carolina from different counties who we actually pay to have pieces, to do the work, to create blog posts where they share their experiences um, as black women in South Carolina and to create a space where their voices can be amplified and elevated and to gradually create a network of women who are not only sharing pieces and being um, published, but also who share their, you know, other women's pieces, other black women's pieces who comment and like, because, you know, part of the scary thing is we know what the internet can be, can be like. And so there are women who want to say things, but it's also like, I don't know if I can deal with this stuff. But if we have women ready to affirm them, to read the pieces, to give feedback on the pieces, um, I think we start to create safety even online in a, in a certain kind of way, right? Like a safe space online for women um, where they can have their voices elevated and be affirmed, but also kind of help contribute to this notion of Black joy and deserving and, and worthiness, right? Like, I think even the act of doing that kind of sends a message to other black women that it can be you. It can be you too. I love that. I love the 
elevating the voices, providing the support, mm-hmm. right? And equipping, also equipping mm-hmm. Black women to use their voices, right? Removing those barriers, them, right? Yep, removing barriers. Not yep, having pain. a ton of money because Lord knows, I mean, I love Black women. I think there's no value, no price, no dollar tag, dollar amount, no price tag you could put on, you know, what we offer the world. Um, however, like our labor gets used and misused. <laughs> we get exploited so much. Yeah. So like one of the greatest joys for me has been even in having these roundtable discussions and creating space where women can come in. Like we were able to give the black women who co-hosted those events small stipends, right? For finding the venue and for being with us in that space because um, time, like if for nothing else for me to get to practice paying black women, um, to put that into practice and not just talk to talk, but walk to walk, but also um, for those women who might be, and I don't see anything wrong with volunteerism, but I do think there's a thin line, right? Between being, between volunteering and being exploited. And so I just wanted to be clear from the, this, where I stood that I believe black women deserve to be paid. Maybe that doesn't happen in every single situation, but I think there's something important about communicating that. And we were able to, you know, to do that. Definitely. And I will just put a little tidbit here in the state of South Carolina, black women are paid 53 cents Mm -hmm. on the dollar to white men. And so we know that women overall is around Mm -hmm. 76 cents on the dollar. Um, But black women specifically is 53 cents. And and that's, you know, just about half of what white men make here in the state. Um, And so whenever I am answering that question of what do black women deserve, I'm always talking about Mm -hmm. equal pay Mm -hmm. for equal work, equal opportunities to to make money and to support Mm -hmm. their families. Um, But so we're, we're my last question question for you is we're going to tie all this together now, right? (laughs) Um, So for those who are listening, right, who are not Black women, but they want to be allies, they want to help, you know, elevate the voices, they want to create spaces for women to feel safe, seen, Mm -hmm. and supported. What is your advice to Um, them? I think the first thing I would do or, or would say is like examine where your desire to help comes from. Um, I think a lot of times allies get trapped or allured into being saviors <laughs> and they fall into the trap of like martyrdom and we don't need that, right? I think if you want to help Black women, listen to Black women, right? trust black women stop having meetings behind closed doors and having no black women in the room especially when decisions affect black women black children black families like create space in your decision making where black women um can have their voices heard right um be willing to pass the mic like it doesn't always have to be you like we don't really need someone to speak for us i think that if nothing else i learned that trying to create space for women to to share is like we don't need people we we know what we want to say we we have our experiences we need you to pass the mic and not like hold us to this lens this this lens that you have adapted and that is your lens like trust us as experts in our own experience because we are um and so i think a lot of it comes with like 
being willing to step back a little bit, like being willing to step back and trust us to know what we need. And then when there's, you know, allocation of resources, I look at the nonprofit, you know, industry here in Columbia, especially I know some black led organizations doing incredible work. You know what I mean? Like incredible work. Um, Yes. But sometimes they're fighting for the same dollar with organizations that don't even have leadership that remotely represents the the large majority of of their the population that they serve. You know what I mean? To me, that's problematic. Um, so I think like, you know, don't just talk and talk, don't just say I want to be an ally, like do the work and be willing to be uncomfortable and be willing to say, like, this seat might not belong to me. Maybe somebody else should be in this seat. Maybe. There needs to be other decision makers in the room. Um, until then, it's all performative to me, right? It's all just pageantry. <laughs> I love that. So move from performance to something real, to... like be real. Yeah. Yeah. Be real. Don't That's... do this for your grant reports I... <laughs> or for right. your, you know, for your feel good. So you can, you know, say that you help those people because we're not those people we're people like don't don't perform we don't need a performance (laughs) we want that authenticity i love that kayla this has been amazing i can't believe that this time it seems like this time just went by so quickly thank you for being my very first guest for this podcast Yay. yay and please can you tell everyone all of our listeners if they want to learn more about you or get in touch with you how yes. should they do that so um a really great way to keep up with what's going on right now is to follow black women 2020 on facebook instagram and twitter um We've been a little slow lately, really just kind of assessing where we want to go, but there are good things on the way. So um, follow us on social media, engage with us, send us your thoughts. Um, We'd love to hear them. I don't want Black Women 2020 to be a Kayla project. I really am working to make sure that it is reflective of Black women's voices, plural. And so follow us, give feedback, engage us. Um, We'd love to see it and have it. What do y'all think? That was amazing, right? I did not want that conversation to end. As you can imagine, Kayla and I could have talked for three more hours on this topic. But listen, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your thoughts on the conversation. So go ahead over to atthetablewithbethruffin.com and shoot me a note. Also, if you haven't, subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends, your family, and your colleagues so we can get more people at the table. Be sure to tune in next week as I talk with Brianne Bennis, host of No End in Sight, a podcast about life with chronic illness.